First things first, Alabama State Bar Rules of Professional Conduct Rule 7.2e requires the following language in all attorney communications. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services provided by other lawyers. My name's Harry Steele, Backwood Southern Lawyer. My friend Paul Ripp is here with us today. My partner Reigns Russian is on the phone with us from the great state of Houston, uh, the, the great state of Texas, more specifically Houston. So, Paul, you're up, man. All right. Well, the first thing I want to say is that uh, the Rip Report, of course, is a consumer organization. And uh, from our podcast, we've had uh, some people call in and ask Harry why he was taking a position or I was taking a position. So the first thing I'd like to say is that uh, uh, Harry and I may adamantly uh, disagree on some things. So just because I am talking on a particular issue doesn't mean that uh, he's fully endorsing it, nor does it mean I'm endorsing one of his. Now, if you hear us chime in on the same one, well, then you can understand that. But what we're trying to do is get you information and to make you think about uh, what is right and wrong or on a particular subject. Uh, the RIP report, <clears throat> pardon me, the RIP report on Wednesday put out an article, Quid Pro Quo. You can find that on theripreport.com. I hope that you'll follow that. And uh, the next thing I'd lead in to say, and I'm sure people must be thinking, uh, what is going on in Baldwin County? Well, the one thing that is going on is Lanyap. And Lanyap has now come out of the box as far as uh, uh, really doing some very, very good investigative reporting. Again, I'll tell you, no one's paying us to say this. We don't have ads in Lanyap, but Lanyap is the only uh, information that you are getting in Baldwin County that has uh, any investigative reporting. So, I hope you'll pick up one, follow some of these articles that we're talking about, and inform yourself about what's going on in your county. So, first off, you want to talk about the want me to lead off with that, or you want to lead off with that one? Well, I can talk about the Texas House, right? Um, so. I do want to just uh, quickly read a little email that I sent over to the planning director for the city of Daphne. Now, this is the house that we talked about last time. It's going to be demoed for a parking lot. Correct. All right. So um, my question was, will the Bayside Foundation have to apply for a variance to demolish the Texas house and erect a, and erect a parking lot in what is surely not zoned for such? Um I would like to be kept aware and will be speaking at the public hearing on behalf of my grandmother, who is one of the oldest residents in Daphne. She's actually 96 years old, and uh, we might get into a little bit more of that. Um, but but anyway, that that that's who I was planning to represent. Um, and this email was sent October 2nd. So October 3rd, there was a press release issued, I guess, by the, the city of Daphne in which they explain that the Board of Zoning Adjustments meeting to be uh, scheduled on October 3rd had been canceled and that the city attorney had determined that the an accessory use could not be permitted on a property where no dwelling was or where no structure was going uh, 
where no structure was associated with the property. So, um, anyway, small victories, if, if that's what you want to call it, um, I guess we got them to looking at exactly how they were going to skin that cat, and there was no way to do it, according to the city attorney. And let's hope, let's hope ultimately somebody will step up and want to renovate it. I mean, this is one of the oldest structures in Daphne, and I can't believe that there's no one there that is willing to try to, you know, completely renovate the property for historical sakes. Uh, the other thing is the, uh, in Fairhope, uh, constant drama Fairhope, they are still involved in a budget battle, and some of the things that you may hear and what you may read is a little bit different. In Lanyap again, under budget battle by John Mullen, uh, we see again where the medical benefits that the city council has voted in for itself and one breath, the council president Burrell says that he's concerned with expanding government uh, may lead to financial hardships and wants to limit adding employees. At the same time, uh, the mayor is reminding him that he just voted in free health and insurance for the entire family of each one of the part-time councilmen. And then when she continued to speak about it, uh, Burrell threatened to, uh, he said, we're talking about medical and health benefits. One more word out of you, and I'm going to ask the police chief to escort you out of the room. Hey, Paul, does that sound familiar? That sounds very familiar. If any of you are uh, familiar, Mr. Burrell refused to allow me to speak. We took him to federal court, and he was found guilty. And the thing that they don't like about the mayor in Fairhope is that they will threaten her, and then the back around the corner... And then she comes out by saying, okay, go ahead. Here's one more word. Do something. And, of course, Burrell didn't do anything. But the other thing, too, is when you look at this budget battle, I mean, they're in the middle of a budget, budget uh, talking about the budget. And at the same time that Burrell's making these statements, they go out and buy $2.6 million worth of recreational land on a very questionable appraisal and uh, uh, at the same time try to spin it that they can't hire a city administrator because they don't have any money. So it's all political. Uh, hopefully 2020, the council be ironed out. The other article is Damn the Torpedoes by Rob Holbert. Uh, it's a commentary. It's called Baldwin Would Give Dallas a Run for Its Money. I'm telling you people, if you want to really know what's going on and you want to see things in print that have not been printed before, I suggest that you read this article. Now, the first thing, in the, I'm not going to read the entire article, but I will tell you that it goes into the, it, it's, it refers to Dallas, was famous for launching the Who Shot JR. Well, the T-shirts and Baldwin could be, Baldwin might popularize, popularize the phrase, why'd they shoot Jonathan Victor. Lanyap's currently in court with the Baldwin County Sheriff's Office trying to determine just that by getting them to release body cam footage from 2017 when Victor of Louisiana wrecked on I-10 and that cum accumulated into the accident victim being shot by a deputy with a high-powered rifle. Once Victor had been shot several times and was killed, then they found out that he only had a fanny pack. Now, Sheriff Mack is also dealing with an investigation surrounding the high-speed chase in April. One of the deputies 
uh, going down the wrong way, which uh, was totally against protocol, and killed a father and son while three suspects that they were chasing burned to death. Now, you know, we already spoke about the uh, uh, kid that was involved in the suicide, and that also was a sheriff-related thing, too. Now, when Mr. Still uh, spoke of that, they took away his credentials for getting into the courthouse. So it's going to be interesting to see now if the sheriff's department's going to take away the credentials of the Lanyap staff for reporting on everything. Uh, this article goes on to speak about the straw man and several other things that I think that you would find uh, interesting and you should be up on and relates back to articles. Now, that's the one thing that I'm beginning to see with Lanyap that I really appreciate is the backstory of the story. So where people reading the story the first time can go back and read the other story. So uh, please read the articles. Stay up on what is going on. We've had uh, several people from the community call us about other instances with the Sheriff's Department as well as things with the circuit court. So, again, I invite you, the public, Baldwin County, any municipality, you have an issue that you want to bring up, please email us or contact us. And uh, now I think Harry's going to take it over for his part here. So, Paul, I think I've solved the riddle of the stinks. Well, Would you sound, like to know what it means? Sound, sounds like a sewer issue. <laughs> sewer issue. So <clears throat> you're familiar with the scientific method. I try to apply it to all my cases. I try to start in the beginning and work my way to where I think I want to be. Right. Um, and so I began looking at the sewer. Nobody's paying me to do it just something we kind of picked up the regulation of it the regulation of it so if you go and all this is on our facebook page um all of these regulations but if if you have a code book laying around go to the code of alabama title 22 chapter 25b which is the regulation of privately owned sewers um now you can read through all this if you'd like to but i or i can kind of paraphrase it for you um there are certain entities that are exempt from regulation under this under this section, and this section was recently updated. I say recently, to Act Number two thousand nine seven seven three updated some of this code section. Uh, in particular, um, one of the entities that would have been exempted was any entity who released their effluent as groundwater. That they that they released it into a stream or into a, some other body of water into a ditch that ends up in a stream, they're where they're releasing it back into the environment is groundwater. So, do you remember the last time we were on here and I talked about the deep well injection permit? Correct. Okay. So yes, I was wrong about the deep well injection permit. <clears throat> the state of Alabama does not allow that type of deep well injection in the state of Alabama. Okay. So they're not going below the aquifer. What this is is a and uh, can you put up the uh, aerial photo of their Fort Morgan facility, Nick? So if you look at the aerial photograph that they put on this came off their website. We're not doing anything nefarious here. It's public information. I would assume if they put it up on their website, um, you'll see a a, a 
what looks like a pond over to the right and uh, you'll see what looks like some aeration bubbles coming up in it and um, that area there what they're doing is is they're putting the water into that pond and because Fort Morgan is nothing but a big sandbar it's slowly seeping into the ground so the day that they stopped releasing their effluent as groundwater I believe that this act kicked in and the Public Service Commission is mandated to uh, regulate them in many different ways. Um, but I want to I want to continue on in this act, and I want you to understand that it says there there's some magic language in Section 2225B12C, and it says this chapter shall not apply in any county which has a local constitutional amendment, and that's where they stop reading. Okay. We do have a local constitutional amendment. It's also on our Facebook page, and that constitutional amendment is Amendment 781. So, Amendment 781 in particular um, dictates many different things that the that the um, Public Service Commission is mandated to regulate. Um, in particular, um, they can come up with a, a rate protection scheme they can come up with they can come up with minimum standards for design um, they, they can do any different type of regulation uh, that's allowed under this constitutional amendment the only one that they have exercised is is that it allows them to um, if it, if they determine it's in the best interest of the public health, that they can make it compulsory for everyone to connect to the sewer, which is the only thing that Baldwin County has done under this constitutional amendment. So what I'm saying is, if you read the act in its entirety and you go read the, the um, constitutional amendment 781, it's very clear to me that when they started doing, when they got this deep well injection permit and they stopped releasing their effluent as groundwater, at that point in time, the Public Service Commission should have come in and said, we're here to regulate you, and they did not do that. Oh. <clears throat> Harry, if I could just jump in here. If I'm a resident of Baldwin County who drinks water out of my tap on a regular basis or swims in the waters of Baldwin County or around Fort Morgan, who can I call to talk about how the Public Service Commission or Public Utilities Commission could become involved with that utility? Who would well, I call? Would I call so, my state legislator? Would I call the PSC? Who who could I call to take action on something like that? Well, I've been in contact with the Public Service Commission, actually one of their attorneys, and we've been going back and forth. I think that would be I, – I could have asked for a, an opinion of the Public Service Commission, but that would have been more of a formal, you know, people – get involved and then they would ask me just you know what's your standing to be asking this question so i, I didn't want to really go that route i don't have a client i'm not i'm not being paid to do any of this so um i understand that harry you're you're an attorney and you can seek opinions and everything else but if i'm just gus brown down at the local bait shop who wants to drink water out of the hose and i'm worried about an unregulated utility pumping groundwater 
you know, contaminating the groundwater, who would I call? You call to talk the, to about that Alabama Department of Environmental Management because they are the ones tasked with testing the effluent or or anything that's discharged into the environment. And do they have any sway over who regulates what? Um, actually, there are two different sides of the coin. The Public Service Commission would would do things like, um, and, and one of the things mandated in this act is that you would have to disclose your financial position to the Public Service Commission. They have to make sure that you're a financially viable entity. Okay, that's number one. Number two, if you ever wanted to go up on your rates, you would have to go to the Public Service Commission to have that approved as well. I'm saying if you were an entity who were being regulated by the Public Service Commission. And my position is, is they should have done this whenever uh, the left hand should have known what the right hand was doing. The folks at ADM should have said, hey, guys, you guys over at the Public Service Commission, they've changed the way they're doing things, and now you have to regulate them. Okay, so now who is tasked with straightening this out then? Well, I'm hoping that the folks at the attorneys at the Public Service Commission will agree with me, and then they'll go to the they'll bring it to the attention of the entire commission that hey, this dip crap attorney down in Paul County says that we're supposed to be doing something that we're not, and maybe we need to pay some attention to it. Good, good. I do know. So that. if I'm a if I'm a hunting guide or a fishing guide or anybody concerned about the environment or just some fella down at the local bait shop there to pick up cheese crackers before I hit McCurtain's Creek. What, uh, you know, I can, there's gotta be an elected representative that I can talk to somebody that I've voted for. That's concerned about the quality of my drinking water and things like that. Isn't it? Well, I think you could contact any one of your elected officials. If you had a concern about something like that, certainly. And, and we so, have had a couple of elected officials that have stood out and uh are working on this had a call from one this morning correct so um the range just let me let me read you this one section i know you don't like for me to read things um this chapter shall not apply in any county which has a local constitutional amendment authorizing the regulation of wastewater utilities unless right. provided by for by local act or the legislature by local law applicable to the county uh, that provides for alternative regulation and rate control to apply in the county. So what I'm saying, right. that language right there says, unless there's an alternative organization who's controlling rates and all these other things, which Baldwin County has elected not to do under the constitutional amendment, then that then those duties fall to the Public Service Commission. Well... Also, also as a as a consumer, like you're talking about, Reigns, just on a basic level of consumer, I would also think that you could call your commissioners and ask them, if nothing else, to bring this to a head, to clarify it, and let's move on with it, you know, and get the regulation in place uh, uh, as it looks like it should have been all along. So uh, another thing that I've been working on while you guys have been napping or whatever it is you do during the day um i have been in contact with the shelby county legislative delegation and i have a copy of the uh house bill 340 that was introduced last year that would uh put all private sewers in shelby county under the control of the public service commission 
So we're gonna have we'll have a copy of that um, on the Facebook page as well for anybody who wants to go read that. I mean, all we got to do is change the names in this thing, <laughs> and and find somebody to to file it. But you know, depending on the determination of the attorneys by the Public Service Commission, it may be unnecessary to pass yet a no, another local law that would be applicable to sewer when it seems like the county commission has had the authority to regulate it for many years and didn't realize it, it. well or didn't care to act on it maybe they <laughs> maybe they did maybe that was some of the things that were discussed in the in the 2010 uh the the meetings they had prior to be sworn in in 2010 the the Baldwin County Commission Ooh. um and by the way I also got a copy of that commission tape and I'm going to be cutting it up and posting some excerpts on our website some some very interesting things that came out of that meeting that i'd forgotten about and um anyway it's uh, we should make a drinking game out of it rains if you ever get over here every time there's some, some bs said in that meeting everybody's got to take a drink we well, won't we won't make it uh, about well, 10 I'm, minutes into it i'll be on the Y'all's alcohol tax is too high to afford that drinking game. I can tell you that right now. Uh, great. We, d- we do want the listeners to know that the uh, sewer issue and the regulation of the sewer is something that we intend on covering, you know, from here on out. So this is going to be a long-standing conversation. We're going to try to bring you up to date from time to time where we are and uh, where our legislators are and where our county commissioners are on this subject. Well, I would definitely do a public service to our listeners and people that watch this podcast and post the names and numbers of and email contacts of all members of the Baldwin County Commission so the public could be informed and call and ask those pertinent questions and say, hey, uh, maybe this is something we could start getting into, and maybe this is something we can do to help not just protect our uh, environment but our, our water quality. Uh, I think it'd be great if Backstory would uh, would put that information up on the Facebook page and maybe rip report too. To, here's the numbers of the people to call. Here's the numbers for your state representatives. Let's uh, let's get a ball rolling on that. Because I have we several of their cell ourselves. numbers too. We'll put their cell numbers up. I'm kidding. We're not going to put your cell. <laughs> so it, it does make it does make a difference. So when uh, uh, when citizens call, uh, you may think you're. Your call is coming in on deaf ears, but I can assure you if you're a county commissioner or you're elected office holder and you get 15, 20 calls all about one subject, that registers. That registers. So um, Absolutely. don't be shy about picking up the phone, writing an email, or making a comment on a blog site or whatever to bring it to their attention. So, so Rain, that, the, uh, the, yeah. the new Lanny app that came out uh, October 8th, I that has several of the articles that Paul's chronicle, but the cover story is about removal day um, scheduled for October 10th. It celebrates the 1901 relocation of the county seat from, from Daphne to Baymanette. Are you familiar with that story reigns? I wish you could see me putting my hands to my face <laughs> and shaking my head right now. Well, just, gee, Harry, I'm not. Could you tell us a story about how your granddaddy I'm stole not, the courthouse? No, no, no it, wasn't my, it was my great, great granddaddy. But anyway, uh, we have a video queued up that we think is going to explain it. And this is from uh, John Archibald's little page, Reckon. Reckon. 
And uh, someone posed this question to him recently, and he, he did a little video, and we're going to take a look at it. It's pretty informative. Despite what you may have seen on TV, lawsuits are never fun. They take a lot of time and money, but there are ways you can speed things up, like settling out of court. Or if you want to follow the example of one small Alabama town, you can speed up the legal proceedings by staging an elaborate heist. Idea for a fun history story, the night that Bay Manette stole the county seat from Daphne, literally. That question, well, that's not really a question, but that, that idea was submitted to Ask Alabama by Timothy Williamson. A brief disclaimer, this story's been told by many different people on different sides of the issue, which means there are different versions of what exactly happened, but this, as far as I can tell, is what went down. Back in the 1890s, a man named J.D. Hand started up a timber yard in the middle of Baldwin County, and over the years acquired a few thousand acres of land he planned to develop into a town. That town would be Baymanette, Alabama. But key to J.D. Hand's plan working was making Baymanette the county seat of Baldwin. Now, if you don't know what a county seat is, it's basically the capital of the county. It's where the county commissioners meet and where the sheriff's office is and where the county jail and courthouse are. And in those days, when travel could take a while, being the county seat meant a lot of lawyers and politicians and upper crusty folks would be visiting your town frequently, if not just outright moving there. Now, in the 1890s, while J.D. Hand was setting up Bay Manette, the seat of Baldwin County was Daphne, Alabama. It was chosen after the Civil War because it was along the waterway, which made travel a little easier from some places in the county, and because the old county seat, Blakely, had basically been Civil Warred out of existence. However, with the rise of train travel across the state, getting to more landlocked portions of the county became easier, and J.D. Hand used this to convince state lawmakers and citizens of the county to move the county seat to Bay Manette, which was more centrally located. In the year 1900, the state legislature approved this move, and the folks of Bay Manette got to work building a courthouse. In 1901, when the county courthouse was finished, the people of Bay Manette reached out to Daphne to have the county court records shifted over to the new courthouse. And the people of Daphne said no. Daphne didn't want to lose its position as the county seat and filed for a permanent injunction to block the move. Now, J.D. Hand could have just been patient and waited for the matter to be resolved in the courts, but the wheels of justice turned slow, and he wanted the county seat now. So he came up with another plan. If Daphne wasn't willing to give us the court records, let's just go steal them. I like where that dude's head was at. In October of 1901, J.D. Hand got a couple dozen guys together from Bay Manette with guns and tools for breaking into the records room and made an overnight ride to Daphne. They arrived at night, camped outside of the city, and in the early morning hours made their move. The Bay Manette group went to the sheriff's office slash courthouse slash jail, it was all one building, with a teenager they had apprehended. This kid was wanted for breaking into houses. They knocked on the sheriff's door, and when he answered, they brought the teenager in, along with all the guys that had come from Bay Manette. The sheriff was like, thanks for the arrest, but you guys gotta get out of here. And the men of Bay Manette said something to the effect of, afraid not, dude, we're not leaving without the records. Now, the sheriff, being one guy facing down a small army, was understandably flummoxed. He threatened them with arrest, but they still wouldn't leave. So he managed to just lock them up in jail. What the sheriff didn't do was take away their tools. So after the men were put behind bars, they just got to work deconstructing the jail. Once they were out, they spent the next few hours packing up the courthouse onto wagons and eventually headed home. This heist really happened. They even painted a mural about it inside the Baymanette post office. Now with all the records gone and no real other options, the county judge just moved to Baymanette and set up shop there. But the people of Daphne weren't going to just take this lying down, and they continued to try to get the courthouse returned. But after a year and a half in court, judges eventually ruled that the theft of the courthouse documents was legal, because when it happened, a judge had yet to rule on the permanent injunction. So the men of Bay Manette were legally in the right when they stole the court, and the legal fight over the location of the county seat was officially settled. Now, as I've said, there are competing versions of this story. 
Some folks in Daphne will claim that the Bayonet crew arrived loaded for war because they were so scared of the people of Daphne and that they tricked the sheriff out of the courthouse with a fake murder. Some folks in Bayonet say it really wasn't that dramatic. They claim the judge and the sheriff were in on it from the start and they just waltzed in and grabbed the records. Heck, if you ask different people what J.D. Hand's real name is, some will tell you James D. Hand and other people will tell you John D. Hand. But the version I told you came from a historian who based his account on court records, which is why I'm inclined to believe it. Anyway, with the matter settled and the city established, J.D. Hand sold off his interest in his new town, making a tidy profit and headed off for the next stage of his life. Which I presume involves stealing the Declaration of Independence because there was a secret treasure map on the back. I'm Jonathan Sobolewski for Reckon. Hey everybody, if you like this video, you can help us out by leaving a like. And subscribe to the channel so you never miss a video. And if you've got questions about Alabama you want answered, you can leave your questions at al.com slash ask. Thanks for watching. We're good. All right, so it worked. Um, so the important thing to know about that article, about that video is... My grandmother Steele's grandfather, Judge Hall, was the probate judge involved in this whole hiatus. Small world. Which is why all these people are crapping their pants that some insider like me is fed up with the system. And that, and that should be something that a lot of people uh, understand. Uh, I've lived here since 93 uh, I wasn't born in this area and know all these people as intimately as Harry does. And uh, people should note that he's sticking his neck out because of the disgust of what has been going on, too. And that takes a lot of guts. Or a lot of disgust. <laughs> yeah, <either laughs> I wouldn't one. say guts. I'd say a lot either of one. disgust. <laughs> Everybody's got their tipping point. <clears throat> So, Rains, that's absolutely true. I need yeah. to tell you about a new development. So, Backstory Podcast is, is a production of Backwoods Media LLC, and Backwoods Media LLC is the the newest member of two proud chambers of commerce. The first one, the North Baldwin Chamber, and the other, the Eastern Shore Chamber, where Paul resides. We uh, we went to a really nice uh, chamber after hours last night, where People wouldn't have been more surprised if I had walked in with a damn tiger on a leash than to walk in there with Paul Rip. It was a. Uh, I love it. I, I really had a good time. Uh, I did too. I did too. I felt that several people were very uncomfortable. When they get uncomfortable, that makes me feel quite comfortable. <laughs> That's the way we've got to be. You know, we've got to be the people that are out there raising the cane oh, and right. that are saying, all right, this is how we're going to, you know, we're not going to idly sit by and allow these things to happen. We're going to at least say something about it. Well, and, and, and we're and, not going to work stupid either. We, we can spend a couple hundred dollars and join the chamber and let them do marketing for us. That solves a third of my problems. Yeah. And anybody that, uh, anybody that takes offense to anything that we've said or produced, you're more than welcome to come on and defend your position. We, we certainly, and I don't know why do in the that. world I bought four mic stands and my, you know, parabolic microphones. If it's just going to be the two of us, but I'm if hoping you, that but if you happen to notice that the two of us are the only two speaking about the same thing over and over again, and the people that we're talking about don't show up, well, you should summarize from that. Why are they not showing up? Why are they not speaking about it? Well, let me give you a little ammunition for that and bring this thing full circle as I commonly do. 
there's a certain position that I will take, and it's controversial, especially here in the state of Texas, and I'll make it my number one point. If it doesn't have egg on it, it's not a breakfast taco. (laughs) All right, I'll say that, and I'll stand on anybody's front porch and say it. The other thing I'm going to say, to bring it back to something that we talked about last week and hit on a little bit this week, is this Fair Hope City Council voting for their personal gain. And I'm going to say this, the city of Houston is the fifth largest city in the country. Our city council members make $62,983 a year. That's a full-time salary for the city council members of the city of Houston. With their new package, and I think you would both agree that when you're calculating a salary, you calculate the benefits as part of the salary package. The city of Fairhope, which has a population of what, Paul? Uh, 20,000 inside city limits, about 20 outside. 20,000 people inside the city limits of Fairhope are now paying upwards of $17,000 a piece for their city councilman's salary. That includes benefits and everything else that they just voted in. The city of Houston has a population of around two and a half million people and another two and a half million people in the outskirts that are basically represented by them. Does that sound like a fair ratio to you? <clears throat> no, not at all. And one thing that you mentioned that's uh, very important that a lot of people uh, don't understand. Here we're again talking about personal gain. Now, this council has voted this in full insurance for themselves. In the event that any one of these council people are elected, and then they receive the full insurance package, that is personal gain. So they would be subject to a ethics complaint, but I'll leave that right there. <laughs> and, I com- and I totally disagree with both of you. They have voted in a raise for whoever is in those positions after the next election. So they yeah, really but, haven't. Yeah, but if they are elected nope. themselves. They're good. This is done all the time. Okay. They're good. All right. Trust me. Well, they're in, they're in a good spot. Okay. So except that they did vote it in for them. And there is one thing that I want to clarify yep. because you guys had a damn Karen Wilson love fest the last time we were on. Correct. And I kept my mouth shut. Right. And I'm going to tell y'all why. Okay. Okay. And I can sum it up in one outrageous statement. I'm for Trump's idea that we need a border wall, okay? Now, do you see what I did there? Right. I agreed with his policy. I did not say I'm a I'm whatever Donald Trump wants to do. I'm a hundred percent in favor of. You understand what I mean? Okay. So I may agree with a particular politician about a particular policy stance, but I do not go in whole hog with anybody, uh, uh, and just say they have my undying support until the end of time. Now she, well, she may well, be right on okay. on several that, positions. That being said, that yeah. being said, let me emphasize the fact that uh, most all of the members of the city council are related to the group Catalyst, and uh, Mayor Wilson is the one that took on Mayor Camp when no one else would. And I can assure you that if Mayor Wilson was tomorrow to give a contract to her sister, to her brother 
or use her influence as her elected office to advance her position, you'll hear me on here just as adamantly go after her as I would anybody else. Well, I know she has your faith. Well, that's correct. And the main right. reason being is that the the I started in Fairhope in, 20, in 2004 getting involved. And not until this administration, not until the time that she was elected, have I seen these things corrected, that, that the good old boy system is being torn down, that she has stood up for the citizens of the community, and, and that is her first priority. And the things that she said she was going to go into office to do, she has done. And so I am, yeah. I am an advocate of hers, and I'm an advocate of good politicians uh, in other municipalities. But equally, uh, in Fairhope, we have a, a much more drama because we have the good old boys coming back in 2020 with the hopes of taking over the city again. And I'm going to do everything within my power to maintain a forward motion, not a backward motion. I understand. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know Mary Karen if I spilled a cup of coffee on her in the Waffle House. But I got to say that she was the first one that said, "Hey, before we vote in this pay raise for anybody coming in, we've got a." Didn't they commission some kind of pay study from a barber college up in Opelika oh, and yeah. said something Cow-cow. about you know let's. <laughs> <laughs> then what? they said, let's get this pay study out here before we vote on it. And her council said, no, 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 we don't go by studies. We're just going to vote this in because it's something we want. And this is what and this is a study that the council voted in on. They they were convinced to vote for this to show a nonpartisan thing to allow the uh, Auburn University to come in with a study. Tell them how much the mayor should be, how the council should how it should be done. And so they went against their own voting in the beginning. It's it's very recently with the recreation land. When the recreation land came up in Fairhope, the city council said, okay, look, we're going to get an appraisal on this property. Now, this is a matter of record. Mr. Burrell says, we're only going to get an appraisal. That's all we're going to get. We're not going to do anything else. It doesn't mean we're going to buy it. Fast forward a couple of months, they come to the council meeting with the appraisal and vote to purchase the property without any public comment, without anything anything informing the, the, the general public, and going totally against the established budget that they're working on. So, you know, it is kind of mind-boggling to look at it from uh, outside, but people in Fairhope need to really be paying attention with what's going on there. Absolutely, as well they should. Yeah. I would be interested to hear any response from the city council of the city of Fairhope that refuted my opinion that the purchase of that recreation land was for someone's personal gain. And I'll stand out here on a pedestal and say that's my personal opinion. If you want to convince me otherwise, come on Backstory Podcast, let's talk about well, it. Well, they, they certainly used some comps that I don't think were legitimate to make the determination of as to exactly how much they were going to pay for this land. And just so you know, Rain, since they don't have a city administrator, I stopped by the Fairhope city clerk's office yesterday and asked her to look into it and to get back with me um, because I'm not certain if there's a, if there's a certain code requirement, I'm fairly sure that you have to have um, an appraisal um, when you buy a piece of property, if you're a governmental entity. Well, like I said, be sure you read the RIP report, the quid pro quo. 
that information is out there, and that information is good. And I would encourage everybody to check out ripreport.com. I would encourage everybody to look at the stuff that we've posted on the Backstory Podcast Facebook page. Stay involved. Pay the six fifty a month to get that lanyap. Get that electronic subscription so they don't have to throw a paper up on your doorstep. Read it online. Read the stuff that comes out early. Pay attention. You've got major players that are fighting for you right now. And the only way we know that we're doing any good is when you tell us, hey, I talked to so-and-so and they said this. Hey, I went to a city council meeting and here's what they said. Let us know. We need to know. Backstory podcast and the RIP report and the Mobile Land Yap are doing this fight for you. And we want to hear from you about it. Let us know how we're doing. Leave a comment. Subscribe. Let us know what we're doing and if we're doing any good at all. We feel like we are, but you need to let us know too. So, Reigns, one more thing I need to let you know about. Yesterday morning, there was a suspicious package left somewhere around the courthouse. I don't really know any details about it. Of course, I start getting text messages of the press release. Everybody wanting to know where I am at the time. You know, it was it was tongue in cheek, but it wasn't damn funny at all. You know, and so uh, anyway, my alibi is I was in Fairhope in circuit court handling a juvenile case yesterday morning, and uh, and you know me, unless it was a bag of dog crap lit on fire chances are what i didn't do it well you know that's that small town something like that happens they'll tag you with it and rumors go oh hey i'm know. sure everybody in town was wanting to know if i'd left the house yet that morning or not oh, well i had somebody ask me about it too and i i assured them that i didn't see you carrying any strange packages so uh, all right this is the end of podcast five podcast let us know what five. you think Uh, We'll be back with you next week. Thank you much. Go Astros. (laughs) 